What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. The Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand. The Lord God of Israel says, There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Elijah moved closer, and I can imagine he stuck his bony finger in Ahab's face, probably squishing him there, right there on the nose, you know? Let me repeat for emphasis. I can imagine Elijah says, The Lord God of Israel says there will not be any rain or even dew in Israel for many years to come, and it will only stop when I, the Lord God of Israel, says it will stop. That, Elijah gave one more squish on his nose, and he turns and walks out. Now, Ahab, I can imagine the king of Israel, Ahab's probably sitting on his throne when all this occurs, sitting on his mighty royal throne, pulls himself back up off the floor, rearranges his nose, gathers his robes together, puts his crown back straight, and then probably throws a fit. What? You can imagine him stomping around. Who was this guy? How did he get in here? Where are my guards? Don't I have any guards out there? Hey, you're all fired. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. You're all killed. Off with your heads. And he probably stormed around the throne room, furious that some lowlife, some, some farmer, he was probably dressed as a farmer, dressed in nothing but a tunic made out of itchy, stinky, black camel hair with nothing but a leather belt tied around his waist to keep his tunic from flapping in the breeze. This itchy, smelly farmer was able to get into his throne room and to tell him, the great King Ahab, the king of Israel, he was of the mighty lineage of Omri, you know, this itchy, stinky farmer telling me off? He probably pouted and whined and stomped around and was angry. And how do I know he probably pouted and whined and threw a fit? Because later, in 1 Kings 21, he pouts and throws a fit over not getting his neighbor's vineyard. You know, if he's throwing a fit over that, I'm sure in 1 Kings 17 here, he's throwing a fit over some farmer named Elijah, coming in and threatening him with some god named Yahweh, and he throws a fit and he starts to cry. And, and I, I can imagine he starts to say, Hey, Jezebel! Jezebel, Jesse, get in here! Then off to the side comes his beautiful queen running in. What, what, what is it, my dear? This, this, this hairy, stinky, camel hair wearing farmer just told me it was not going to rain ever again. 
What? Well, not n not ever again. But but just until his God says so. You can imagine, you know, Ahab is just mad and falls on his knees, and Jezebel gently takes him and puts Ahab's head in his lap and begins to stroke his hair to calm him down. Don't worry, Ahab. You know that's not true. You know this Yahweh God isn't as great as our God, Baal. Remember, we worship Baal. He's the God that controls all the rain. And the rain hits the soil, and the soil brings up the crop so we can eat. Oh, no, don't worry. Our God, Baal, has control over that guy and over this stinky, itchy prophet named Elijah. Don't worry. Our God, Baal, will have control over him, and our God, Baal, has control over the God that he serves. Because this guy wasn't a prophet of Baal, right? No. Then don't worry. Everything will be just fine. And I can imagine she probably picks him up because she was probably way stronger than him. I don't know. I just imagine him being a short dude. She gently sits down in the royal throne because everybody knew who really ran this country, who was the real leader behind the facade of Ahab. I can just imagine Jezebel saying, don't worry, don't worry. There, there, Ahab, everything will be fine. First, let's finish dinner. Then we'll go and hunt this guy down and kill him. Here we are in 1 Kings chapter 17. And we bump into this prophet who shows up out of nowhere named Elijah. See, Ahab was the king of Israel during a time when the nation of Israel was split into two countries, all right? Judah to the south and Israel to the north. Now, if you remember, Yahweh calls Abraham and says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and from out of you all the nations will be blessed. Eventually, Jacob is known as the father of Israel, and his 12 sons make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, remember last week they went down to Egypt because of the famine? Well, they're stuck there for 400 plus years, and they eventually get persecuted. But then God raises up a leader named Moses who leads them out of Egypt to the promised land, to their home to Canaan land. And eventually a guy named King David, he eventually leads them and they grow in prosperity. And then David has a son named Solomon and, and he begins to grow the nation and then they build a temple. But then after Solomon... His sons argued over who should reign, and the people argued over who should reign, and eventually the country was split because they went into a civil war. And the nation of Israel was no longer one, and it was split, again, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Well, Israel to the north was sadly led by kings who did not walk after God. They didn't follow his promises. See, God told the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, you can read it for yourself. God told the people of Israel, if you obey my commandments, I will bless you with blessing upon blessing. All you have to do is obey. I'll give you Starbucks and malls and, and factories to produce cars. And it'll just be wonderful. Your crops will always grow. Everything will be fantastic. 
I mean, literally, God says, if you follow me, I will give you blessing upon blessing upon blessing, Israel. Wonderful blessings. But if you don't obey me, then Yahweh says, I'm going to give you cursing upon cursing, and I'll punish you. It says there in Deuteronomy with wars and famine and disease and drought. But if you follow me, man, I will give you blessing upon wonderful blessing. So if you had that choice, what would you do? Well, Israel decided to go to the disobedient route. They decided to follow other kings who followed other gods, and these kings hated the things of Yahweh. And they started to follow and worship other gods. Well, here in 1 Kings 17, we meet the pinnacle of bad kings. Well, at least one of the pinnacles was this king named Ahab. See, it says in 1 Kings 16 that Ahab was so bad that what he did made the bad things his forefathers did seem trivial by comparison. That's how bad he was. And the bad things that he did is he quit worshiping Yahweh and he started bringing in the worship of a god named Baal and other gods. But on top of that, not only did Ahab say, hey, we're going to worship other gods, he married a pagan princess named Jezebel. This woman, she was wicked and encouraged Ahab to take the nation of Israel away from serving the one true God. Jezebel was seeking to kill the prophets of Yahweh and install the prophets of Baal, just like her religion, where she came from. She wanted to see Ahab grow even more in worshiping her God. And Ahab and Jezebel, they worked together and built a temple to worship Baal. And they built groves of these poles called Asherah poles, which worship the female God, Asherah. And you have a male and female God. And sad things happened under the rule of Ahab. They explicitly went against the very first commandment given to the nation of Israel, which was, don't have any other gods before me. First commandment, worship no other god but me. Ahab, Jezebel, they shake their fists in the face of God and say, no, we're going to worship Baal. We're not going to worship Yahweh. And so they completely go against the first commandment. They begin worshiping other idols. They erect altars to pagan deities. And they start leading the nation of Israel in pursuing another god. But Yahweh, the one who has blessed them, created them out of nothing, brought them out of Egypt. And Israel is turning their back under the leadership of Ahab. So God raises up a pretty simple dude named Elijah. We don't know a lot about his background, but he all of a sudden shows up in 1 Kings 17. We do know Elijah lived in a small town in Israel called Tishbe and was probably a farmer by trade when God came to him and told him to get up and you go and tell Ahab exactly what is going to happen. Because remember, Yahweh, 
He's the God of all gods. He controls all these other deities, all these other demons. You know, he is not threatened by Ahab at all. And so he wants Ahab to be reminded of the fact that Yahweh's in control. And so he comes to Elijah and says, hey, I need you to quit farming. Drop your tools. You need to get on up to Samaria and you need to go confront Ahab. So Elijah follows God and he gets up, goes to Samaria. Now that was the capital of northern Israel at the time. Now imagine this, all right? This is the capital and you got fancy buildings and people walk around in fancy robes and this is all power and prestige. And then in walks this hairy, stinky, wild beast of a guy, you know? That's the impression you get about Elijah. He walks amongst these beautiful streets and walks up to the gates of the palace. You wonder why the guards didn't stop him there and he just walks straight past the guards. Maybe it was like some sort of Star Wars moment. The guards went to stop him. You shall not pass. And he <laughs> waves his hand over their heads. Hey, I'm going to pass. All right. You get a pass, you know. Yahweh's just opening doors, making guards maybe not see this hairy, stinky farmer. And he walks through and he keeps walking, walks up to the steps of the of the palace, walks in, walks past all these people. Nobody stops him and he walks all the way up to the throne room. How'd he do that? Well, you know, it's God. God says, if I want you to talk to kings, I'm going to get you in front of kings. And then he stands before one of the most wicked kings Israel had ever seen. And at that time, one of the most powerful men in the ancient Near East. Elijah tells this powerful man off. Just says, hey, it is not going to rain until my God says it's going to rain. He's standing in front of this powerful leader telling him off. Man, wouldn't you be quaking in your boots? I would. I'd be scared spitless, but man, he's not afraid at all. You know why? Because he knew the God he was serving. He was serving Yahweh. And if God called him to do that, he can trust that Yahweh is going to work on his behalf. And if he loses his life, he loses it. But he's going to trust Yahweh more than anything else. But when Elijah says, it is not going to rain until Yahweh says it's going to rain. From now on, it's going to stop. And there is going to be nothing but a drought till my God says to let it rain. When Elijah says that, that is a ginormous message to Ahab. You know why? Because Ahab worships a god named Baal. And ultimately, Elijah is saying, your god Baal is worthless. My god Yahweh is wonderful. See, back in that time, they believed gods were tied to, to certain areas or certain acts of nature. You know, in 1 Kings 20, verse 28, they state there that the Syrians think that Yahweh is just a god of the hills. Because they were used to deities that were stuck to hills or plains or valleys or thunder. Or in the case of Baal, he was the god of rain. Whenever it rained, 
These pagan people, they thanked Baal whenever the crops grew because of that rain. They thanked Baal, and every time they thanked Baal, they are in fact worshiping an idol, probably a demon who demands their worship. And to get it to rain, because sometimes it wouldn't rain, and to get Baal to act on their behalf, sometimes people do evil acts, even something as bad as child sacrifice they have found. So to get Baal to act, I'm going to sacrifice my child. To get Baal to act, I'm going to cut myself. To get Baal to act, I'm going to do whatever it takes in front of my God. And in walks Elijah who says, My God, Yahweh, is not constrained by space or time or anything. And he's going to stop it from raining. And he's going to stop your God, Baal, in his tracks. My God? makes your god Baal seem like nothing. You think your god Baal controls the rain? Nope. It's my god Yahweh, and it's not going to rain until he says so. And Ahab's like, what? You're taking on my god? There's a, there's a god stronger than mine? No. And Jezebel's like, nuh-uh. We're going to get after this guy, Elijah. Elijah, I can imagine, pokes him in the nose and says, it's not going to rain till I say so. And then he leaves the throne room, and God says to him, Hey, Elijah, 1 Kings 17, God says, Hey, I need you to go east of the Jordan River. Elijah's thinking, Wait, that can't be right. East, God? Because if I go east, that's some of the most inhospitable parts of the land of his. Wait, what a great place to hide. Nobody's going to be looking for me in basically a desert-type land. I'm heading there. Great idea, God. And then God says, I want you to go to a brook, or, or what we call a little creek. I want you to go to a brook called Cherith. And I just want you to sit there and find a cool spot, and you're going to have to hide. So find a tree, a bush to hide under. Elijah's like, all right, well, I like cool, shady spots by the river. Then God says, you're going to drink from the water, from that brook? Elijah's like, yes, I love spring water. This would be awesome. I've often wondered why we don't bottle some of that spring water and just sell it. I think that'd be a great idea. And then God says, I'm going to have the ravens feed you. And Elijah's like, yes, okay, awesome. I'll have, what? What? The ravens? I'm drinking spring water, which is pretty cool, but I'm going to be fed by ravens? Birds? Those nasty crow things? God says, yep, the ravens are going to feed you. Elijah Brandy looks down and, all right, hey, I've trusted him so far. I might as well continue to trust this wonderful, awesome God. So he heads east and finds the brook Cherith, can imagine he finds a tree, you know, nestles down, rubs his back against the tree, pulls out a good book maybe, or just begins to twiddle his thumbs, or maybe creates some sand castles with some of the water from the brook. I don't know exactly how he entertains himself, you know. I do think he found a bush and a tree thick enough that he could hide from Ahab's army and Jezebel, you know. Maybe he falls asleep. He wakes up the next morning. He's like, oh, beautiful shade. Yahweh taking care of him. 
And then he feels that grumbling in his stomach. You know, oh, man, I'm hungry. I could use a, a nice, tasty breakfast, you know. Then he sees this bird flying closer and closer. And it looks like there's something in his mouth. And I can imagine, whoo, plunk. Drops down a nice toasty bagel. Not only that, the bagel's already got cream cheese on it, you know, I imagine. Here comes another crow and plunk. Oh, nice piece of bacon. Well, kosher bacon. Wow, this is awesome. And then ploop, an egg, an omelet maybe, you know. It says there that God took care of Elijah by the ravens bringing him food. You know, I can imagine that night Elijah starts to feel peckish and here comes a raven with a big old juicy steak still sizzling right off the grill. And then here comes another with a juicy slice of watermelon and then maybe a Snickers bar for a dessert, you know, and oh, he is eating good. See, I believe God led the ravens to fly around a nearby town and he sent them right in when somebody maybe put a food out. He's grilling a steak. In comes a raven, takes it off and flies away, taking it to Elijah. Maybe somebody's about to eat his eggs outside and all of a sudden, here comes that raven taking out some eggs, some hash browns, whatever it happens to be. A nice slice of pie right off the windowsill all so the ravens could take this food to Elijah. See, the word for bread there is a universal word that can really mean any type of food. It doesn't just have to be bread. And I think when God works the miraculous, he works the miraculous. I think he provided for Elijah in astounding ways during that time he was by that brook hiding from Jezebel. Now, I don't think it was just little morsels of bread or worms or bugs or berries. I think Elijah ate very well. Two or three times a day. I bet he was eating better than the average Israelite during that time of drought. Because God knows how to take care of his people. God said, Elijah, if you follow me, I'm going to call you from being a farmer and I want you to stand before a powerful king and deliver my message. You're going to be hunted. You're going to be hated. But Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. You've just got to trust me. Well, Elijah's hiding under that bush, hiding by the brook Cherith, being taken care of by God. But all around him, Jezebel and Ahab are hunting and hunting and looking for this hairy, stinky, camel hair, tunic wearing farmer to destroy him and to show the whole nation of Israel that they shouldn't worship Yahweh. No, they should worship Baal and they're hunting and they're searching and they're trying to find Elijah and they kick over every house every little bush looking and looking for Elijah to kill him. Will they find him? Well, if you come back next week, we're going to learn more about the story of Elijah.
But ultimately, I just want to encourage you. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, that's that first step. If you want to know the God of Elijah, you've got to know his son, Jesus. So come back next week. We learn more about the wonderful, amazing story of Elijah the prophet. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.